It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! What's up, Aggie Nation? This is your host, Dan, and it's time for another Big Blues Day episode of the Hive Sports Podcast. It's been a couple weeks, I've been under the weather, but uh, what uh, a great week it's been for for Utah State football. We're going to talk a lot about that. We may touch a little on basketball, that they're, they're still doing well. They've, they've had some ups and downs, but um, but yeah, before we get started, we're uh, this is going to be a, a bowl special, so we're going to talk a lot about the new bowl that, that the Aggies are going to be a part of, But and we have a special guest we're going to announce in a little bit, but first, m- make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just search us at The Hive Sports, and yeah, let's get this started. And we are pleased to welcome a Oregon State insider since we're playing Oregon State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. So Carter Baines, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a rainy and blustery day in Oregon, but um, getting ready to you know make the, make the trip down to LA and get out of this weather and watch some good football. Yeah, I'm sure Aggie fans can relate. I know that sounds like classic Oregon weather, but we're finally starting to have a little snowfall. It's, we haven't had much this year, but yeah, but before we get started, maybe you can introduce yourself and let Aggie fans know what you do and kind of how you got into covering Oregon State. Yeah, so uh, like you said, my name is Carter Baines. I, I write for Beaver Blitz, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. So, you know, we cover recruiting, men's basketball, football, you name it. Um, and I, I got my start here when I was a student at Oregon State. I've, I've been covering the team for man, three and a half years now. Um, and, you know, recent grad of Oregon State and, and continued on with BeaverBlitz.com and now uh, kind of, you know, enjoying the benefits of sticking around a little longer because the Oregon State football team is finally starting to win a bunch of games. Uh, so it's been a fun year to, to cover the team and, you know, we're, we're getting into men's basketball season here too. So it's a busy time of year, but um, definitely excited to, to wrap the season up next week with what should be a pretty exciting bowl game. I, I, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's, you know, two pretty, um, two relatively evenly matched teams. I know Oregon state's entering as a seven point favorite, but um, I, I think, I think it's an interesting matchup for sure. So going to be a fun week. Yeah, it's definitely fun matching up the Mountain West champion versus the the the, the fifth place team. And, and like you said, you've had some good wins. But before we start talking about the team, I kind of want to get to know a little more about uh, Corvallis, maybe what there is to do there. Just like your, your mascot. I know Jimmy Kimmel has a, a mascot for the bull. His name is Jimmy Camel. That was something fun I saw on, their, on his show. But but yeah, what, what, what should Aggie fans know about the the town and, and the school? Well, Corvallis is about as college town as it gets. You know, there's, there's not much going on outside of Oregon State University. Um, it's a city of about 50,000 people. And, you know, the draw to Oregon State, I think for a lot of the student athletes in particular that come here is, you know, you, you don't have the, the big city lights and, you know, all of the distractions that come with maybe going to a, a school like, you know, 
I, I don't know, a, a Berkeley or a UCLA or an, a USC or a Washington even, you know, where, you know, some of these other Pac-12 schools are located in really big cities and, you know, you can come to Corvallis and really focus on your education and on football or basketball, baseball, whatever it is you're playing. Um, and that, that draws a very specific type of student athlete uh, to the Oregon State Athletic Department. And um, that's, that's part of why I think Oregon State has such a great culture athletically, but also as a school. Um, it's, it's definitely a, very much so a family atmosphere. And I think that's um, kind of one of the unique things that you get with being in a college town like Corvallis. But like I said, out, outside of Oregon State, there's not a ton going on here. Um, great hiking. We're super close to the, to the coast, mountains. If you want to go skiing, everything's close by. But um, within Corvallis itself, pretty much everything revolves around Oregon state. That's really cool. Um, it sounds a lot like there's, there's similarities. I mean, I know the climate and everything is different, but um, Logan is a, definitely a, a college town. I think there's about probably a similar size and in, in the whole Valley there, there's maybe a hundred thousand in the city of Logan alone. That sounds really similar to core to Corvallis. Um, and so one, one guy that, that we want to touch in, we don't want it to be the roast Gary show, but he, he, he was a, uh, uh, coach for us and did really well the first time. Then he had a stint at Wisconsin and then with you guys and, and then us again. And now he's just kind of doing some other, just, just coaching on the side here and, uh, at Weber state. But, um, what, what are your kind of memories of, of, well, um, I know with Gary, it didn't go so well, but what do you think has helped the team kind of bounce back and get back to bowl eligibility for, I think the first time in, isn't it eight years? Yeah. First time since 2013. So Gary Anderson is a name that, uh, that Oregon state fans, you know, that's, that's an era of Oregon state football that I, I think fans love to forget. Um, especially now that, as you mentioned, Oregon state has had some success this year. Um, and kind of gotten out of the basement from, you know, where I think coach Anderson put the program, um, as he left, he, um, you know, like you said, we, we don't need to, we don't need to dog on him too much, but it, the reality is, you know, Oregon state was at a low point when he left and, um, for Jonathan Smith to come in and turn the program around, like he has in the three and a half to now four years that he's been here, um, I, I think is a testament to to the coaching job that Smith and his assistants have done because the culture at Oregon state was absolutely broken when he came in, you know, you, you had players who were transferring left and right guys didn't even want to go to practice because football wasn't fun for them. Um, it, you know, it, it just wasn't a good situation. And honestly, the, the talent level on the team was not great. The team wasn't winning games at all. Um, you know, they, they win two games in, in coach Smith's first year and, that's coming off of a season, I believe, where they won one game the year before. So it wasn't a good situation. But for Smith to to get the team now to seven and five, competing for the Pac-12 North Championship up until the final week of the season, um, I, I think it speaks a lot to to what he's able to do as a coach. And I, I think it's a, a breath of fresh air for Oregon State fans to to finally start to see this thing move on an upward trajectory again. Yeah, that's definitely good to see. I know there's mixed reviews with with Gary Anderson. The first time he did really well, but I think he had he had he was blessed with some great players like Bobby Wagner and Chucky Keaton, um, and 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 the whack got a little easier. And 
without him, maybe the Aggies aren't in the Mountain West now. But I, I get that. Yeah, there was different situation, and and you know he he left us for for more more money, and sometimes that works out, and and sometimes it it doesn't. And um, we've seen that with uh, Matt Wells and some of our coaches. But um, a couple of common uh, opponents or just opponents that the Aggies are interested in. We saw that you guys beat the the Utes, um, a team that that yeah we haven't played for a while, but um, just comparing um, the, the, the wins. I know that the Utes, um, lost to San Diego state in overtime, a team that, that, that we beat by a lot. And that was, they, they have a different quarterback and they've played a lot better. Um, I also saw that one of your losses was to Washington state who the Aggies beat. So maybe that gives us some hope that we can compete, but, um, what do you think happened in, in like the win again? Like, how are we, how were you guys able to it, it, it seems like you guys were really great, but maybe um, the consistency, it, it's, it's hard to win week, week after week. And so um, what do you think that the, that Oregon State did right against Utah and maybe did wrong against a team like Washington State? Well, <laughs> to be honest, I think it, it comes back to the fact that one of those games was at home and one was on the road. When you look at Oregon State's record, they went undefeated at home and barely won any games on the road. So um, they went well, shoot one and one and five on the road and six and oh at home. They play Washington State and Pullman. And, you know, that first half was the, the whole game was it, it was one of those ugly football games, you know, where it, it looks like nothing really is going right. Um, but somebody has to win. It's kind of one of those games. And, um, you know, Oregon State, I, th- I think, took some chances in that game that came back and bit them uh, a, a fake punt to start the second half. Uh, with the lead, you know, around midfield and then Washington state, um, it, it was, it, it didn't work out. Washington state marches down the field, scores a touchdown and they were off to the races from there. Um, so it, it was a game where I think Oregon state had a lot of opportunities that they squandered. Um, and you know, they, they shot themselves in the foot a few times as well, but then looking on the flip side, that Utah game, Oregon state got out to a 14, nothing hole in that game very early in the game, two drives down, uh, and Utah led 14 nothing, but Oregon State stayed the course. And I think that um, that game was was very much telling of kind of the mentality and the culture that Jonathan Smith has built. They're, Oregon State is very much a we're going to play for four quarters. We know that this game is not over until the clock hits triple zeros type of team. Uh, and that was very evident in that game. You know, the, the Beavers, like I said, stuck it out. Um, you know, they fought back and ultimately took the lead in that game. And made some big plays down the stretch in the fourth quarter to close that one out. It was one of the most well-rounded um, games that I've seen Oregon state play in a long time, to be honest with you after that first, you know, five, six minute stretch where they gave up a, a two touchdowns. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the morale of, of, of the team, I mean, even though, I mean, seven and five is hard to do in the Pac-12 and you beat your, your in-state rival, Oregon, for I think it is it the Battle of the Platypus Trophy is, is what it's called or or, or something. Well, but. it's the game formerly known as the Civil War, but yeah. um, the uh, the new name no new name has stuck yet, so Not people yet. are kind of calling it whatever they want right now. But isn't the trophy like a, a platypus? Is yeah. That- Okay. Yeah, it's cool. very it's a very under the radar trophy. They're not handing it out on the field or anything, but the schools do still exchange it. Um, so, you know, it, it would be interesting to see if they can they kind of you know pull that into the mix as they look for a new name in this rivalry. But 
as of now, it's uh, it's very under the radar. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully um, Beaver fans and Aggie fans will, will, will travel well. I know that um, we, we had a decent contingency um, there for the, the game in L.A., so it's nice to be able to make a return trip. I mean, L.A.'s great, great weather and, and all of that. Um, but as, as far as the, the team overall, I, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about your running game, but, but what do you think the strengths and weaknesses are overall of this team? Well, offensively, you mentioned the running game, and I think that is kind of telling of Oregon State's biggest strength, in my opinion, which is the offensive line. Um, the the, the all-Pac-12 team, all-Pac-12, you know, first team, second team, honorable mention, uh, came out this past week, and four of the five offensive linemen on Oregon State's starting lineup were, were named all-Pac-12. Uh, and that's, I, I think, very telling. Of, of where this team is at because everything, everything revolves around an offensive line on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the, the running game in particular. And while BJ Baylor is, I, I think a very capable running back and, and Trey Lowe and Deshaun Fenwick behind him, I think a lot of their success can be attributed to the fact that Oregon state has one of the best offensive lines in the country. And the, the group is um, now one of the four finalists for the, I believe it's the Moore Award, um, the the top of offensive line in the country. So uh, people are recognizing it, you know, across the country as far as the awards are concerned. But um, that's one thing that I've seen this year. It's just it, it blows me away how Oregon State has been able to kind of dominate the point of attack against some really good teams like a Utah, like a USC, you know, where you have traditionally very strong front sevens, um, and Oregon State's been able to open up lanes for its running backs and. You know, you're seeing B.J. Baylor run for, I don't know what it ended up being, about 105, 110 yards per game uh, in, in a conference with a lot of really talented defenders up front. So the offensive line for sure is is the strength. And then the weakness has been throughout the course of the, of the season, the defense and particularly third down defense. And um, that, that kind of... I, I think a little bit of an uptick in production occurred when when Oregon state moved on from defensive coordinator, Tim Tibisar promoted Trent Bray to the interim. Um, and you saw for two weeks, Oregon state really, you know, make some improvements on defense. And then they reverted a bit to their, their old habits against Oregon in the, um, the final game of the regular season as, as Oregon kind of walked all over them. So the question is, you know, can, can Oregon state keep Utah state off the field on third down um, in the LA bowl? If, if, they can, you know, if the Beavers come out and they play the defense that we saw in the two weeks after Tibisar was was fired, um, I think you're going to see Oregon State, you know, win this by a couple of scores. But there's there's definitely quite a few opportunities here for Utah State to score a lot of points. Well, that that's good to know, and I, I think we've seen when the Aggies are at their best, um, they they're, they're capable of of scoring a, a lot. That that we've had a couple of tough games against like Boise we we outgained them actually in 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 yards but we only put three points on the board so I think the red zone defense will will definitely be key um and I think that I mean the Aggies picked a good time to peak we we needed a little help San Diego State had to beat Boise for us to get to the championship and um I think the Aggies were felt a little disrespected because First of all, I want to say the Pac-12 did a, a great job, I, I think, of, 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 their, of their conference awards. But 
the Aggies, a lot of fans and players were frustrated because our quarterback didn't even get like honorable mention. And, and um, we had a, our, our coach who only won one game last year. Um, he didn't get coach of the year, but um, Brady Hoke did. So, so, but, but yeah, we, I feel like we have some good players like Tompkins and then our quarterback, Logan Bonner, but who are some of the uh, players that we should, I, I mean, you mentioned the offensive line. What, what are some of the names of, of some of the top players that, that we should look, look for on the Beavers? Well, the big one is Avery Roberts, inside linebacker, but he's actually going to be out for this game. Um, he underwent minor surgery about a week and a half ago or so. So Oregon State will be without the Pac-12's leading tackler, which, I mean, I, again, I, I go back to the defensive struggles. I, I think there's a possibility that that opens up some doors for Utah State offensively. But um, outside of that, Chance Nolan is is the quarterback at Oregon State. He was pro football focus's first team all Pac-12 quarterback. Um, you know, he's he's made a bunch of plays with his legs. And when he's firing on all cylinders, he's the kind of quarterback that's completing about 75% of his throws. And, you know, he's got the deep ball in his arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see which version of, of Chance Nolan shows up in L.A. Um, outside of that, the receiving core is really deep. Trevon Bradford. Uh, is the go-to guy, but Treshawn Harrison, who I believe will miss the first half of this game after uh, he was ejected for fighting in the rivalry game. Uh, he's he's kind of the Oregon State's deep threat. And then there's a bunch of other guys outside of them, Zariah Beeson, Tyjon Lindsay. Um, but the, the tight ends as well will we'll get involved in the receiving game. Tegan Quatoriano and Luke Musgrave are, in my opinion, two of the top tight ends in the conference. Oregon State loves to get the tight ends involved. Uh, they'll they'll use them as blockers uh, in you know in heavy formations, two three tight ends on the field at, at a given time. They'll put them out deep uh, as receivers, and then Jack Coletto as well kind of plays a, an all purpose role on the offensive side. He's listed as an inside linebacker, uh, but he spends most of his time on the offensive side of the ball. He's one of Oregon State's leading scorers, actually. Uh, he's got about, I, I believe it's six rushing touchdowns on the year. Uh, he comes in and he'll play fullback, wildcat quarterback. He's caught a pass this year. Um, he returns kicks. And like I said, he's he's listed as an inside linebacker as well. So that's definitely a player to keep an eye on as well. Uh, defensively, I'll, I'll throw a, a couple of names here real quick. Jaden Grant and Rajon Wright in the defensive backfield. Um, two of Oregon State's top defenders. Omar Spates at inside linebacker is um, almost as productive as Avery Roberts at that position. And I think he'll be tasked with picking up some of the slack with, with Roberts out. Um, the defensive line, there's really not one guy that comes to mind. Keontae Shad has, has really stepped up Minnesota transfer, but outside of that, um, the, the defensive line, I, I believe still is, is Oregon state's weakest position. So, you know, maybe that's a, a matchup that Utah state will look at. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, definitely. I, I feel like the Aggies are definitely more of a pass team, but they've, they figured out some good schemes, I think for, for running. And I, I, I do think that the size definitely worries me. I feel like teams we struggled at um, like BYU Boise, they have some good size, even Wyoming. Um, that, that was a kind of a surprise loss there, but um, I, I think we kind of figure out how with our speed and our scheme, I think we figure out how to get around some of those um, bigger linebackers. So it'd be interesting to see 
in the trenches what what happens there um and yeah it sounds like you guys got a lot of good players and it'd be interesting to see um in the in the future how Oregon State reloads I, I imagine a, a couple of those guys you mentioned might be in in the draft do you, do you think yeah so Roberts for sure will leave um BJ Baylor questionable whether he'll return I think his stock right now is about as high as it's as it's going to get um Trevon Bradford, who I mentioned, Oregon State's leading receiver is a redshirt senior, so he'll be gone. Um, Andre Hughes-Murray is another guy at outside linebacker who's graduating. Um, so, you know, there, there are key players at a lot of positions that Oregon State will lose, but I think the depth that the Beavers have built with Jonathan Smith on the recruiting trail, um, utilizing the transfer portal and, and picking up some really interesting project type guys from the, the high school ranks. I think Oregon state's built some pretty exciting depth and should be positioned to reload pretty well next year. That's, that's good. And, and, you know, but the transfer portal, I, I gotta say, that's something that that's been the saving grace for, for the Aggies. Cause we've had so many transfers because we were kind of our locker room was not great last year with 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 Gary, but um, it's just turned around. And and with the transfer portal, we've when we kept some of our top talent and it's great. I'm so glad we got Tompkins to stay because I think it's been a great decision for him because he he and until until championship weekend, he, he led the NCAA in receiving yards. So um, I, I think that that yeah it's it's definitely nice to see the transfer portal and and hopefully recruiting um with the signing period coming up that that goes well for you guys um but I, i'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are on how you think this game will play out you know it's a fifth place pack 12 versus first mountain west but pack 12 has more depth as a power five so if you were to kind of look into a crystal ball and i know we can't predict the future but like how do you think this game will go yeah, I haven't really done a, a full deep dive into Utah State quite yet, so I don't know um, exactly what the strengths and weaknesses are, but I do know that uh, the Aggies have a couple of really skilled playmakers uh, on offense that are going to create a ton of problems for Oregon State. You mentioned Tompkins um, outside. You know, you, you just you look at his numbers and you say, that's a guy that's going to be a, an incredibly tough matchup. Um, and, and Oregon State's pass defense has been a little shaky at times this year. I think it's the run defense in particular struggles, but like I mentioned with the third down thing, you know, that's, that comes back to the past defense. And uh, if, if Oregon state's not getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback, I think Tompkins is, uh, he, he could have a huge day. And um, in, in the running game, Calvin Tyler, who came over from Oregon state this year, um, you know, the Beavers are familiar with him, but uh, the success that he has had with the Aggies this year is it's pretty fun to watch him. Um, you know, finally start to tap into some of the potential that I saw from him uh, in, in the couple of years that he was at Oregon State. So those are two guys in particular that um, I, I think Oregon State's going to, you know, Oregon State's going to have their hands full with them. Outside of that, you know, I think Oregon State's going to score quite a few points. Um, that's, that's not a knock on the Aggies defense. That's just, I, I think Oregon State has one of the best offenses on the West Coast. Um, statistically, see them at or near the top of a bunch of offensive categories in the Pac-12. And so it, it takes a lot to slow them down. Um, and especially when, you know, you've got things firing on all cylinders at the quarterback position. You know, I, I think if Nolan comes in and has the kind of day that he has shown that he's capable of, Oregon State's going to score a lot of points. So I, I would say, you know, there's there's a good chance that this turns into 
not necessarily a shootout, but I think a lot of points are going to be scored on, on both sides. But I think if I, if I had to throw a score prediction out there, I might lean towards like a, you know, like a 38 to 30 type thing with, with Oregon state coming out with the win. Yeah. Yeah. That's def- definitely fair. Um, I, th- I think one of our weaknesses at times we've struggled to defend, but um, and I mean, even though we beat San Diego State, they're not really known as an offensive firepower that, that they they like to run and, and play good defense. But I think whoever commits the least amount of turnovers will, will win. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of coaches point to that, but I, I think that's a big one. And even though we beat Washington State, it, it was a really ugly, weird game to start the year. I was actually in Vegas at the BYU versus Arizona game, but I was watching the Aggie one on my phone at the end, they were like both went till midnight and we were down by 12, but I think we, we, we scored two touchdowns in like the final five minutes. So we got some good stops and then got it back and came back. So it's, it's definitely not easy to beat a Pac 12 team, but I mean, we, we've seen Washington state's a good team, just like Oregon state. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to go against my Aggies. Like I don't want to be a, a home, right? I, I feel like no matter whether we win or lose, it's just awesome that we're, um, we have the probably the best bowl game uh, location and just matchup wise, just playing a power five team than anybody else in the conference, like San Diego state They're they're in Frisco and, and they're playing a ranked UTSA team. So that's good. But you, you get the Idaho potato bowl, the New Mexico bowl, like we played in a lot of those bowls. So this is basically what the Vegas bowl used to be for the, the top mountain West school. So I'm, I'm going to say maybe the Aggies, like it, it will be a shootout, but, um, if the Aggies can capitalize on, on turnovers, I can see us maybe winning by a score and a half, like somewhere in between that seven to 10 point range, like maybe 45, 35, 45, 38 or something. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. I, I, it sounds like both fan bases are excited and both, both seem like, like classy fan bases. I don't know. I haven't met a lot of Beaver fans, but um, just from looking on social media that it seems like they're really positive and high on their team. Um, I, I, I haven't watched a ton of Oregon state. I, I see them when they play the Utes and I know they're a really good bait. You're a really good baseball school and, and, and basketball was a nice surprise last year, making, making the tournament, winning the pac 12. So, um, yeah, but be- before we write, we wrap it up, I'm just curious, is there anything else you want to add about, about this bowl game or, or anything, anything about the team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm just really excited to see, um, the hospitality at, at SoFi Stadium, I think, is going to be pretty off the charts with, you know, Jimmy Kimmel being the, the sponsor and everything. I think there's going to be a great entertainment component. Um, SoFi Stadium, obviously one of the, the nicest and newest stadiums in the world right now. So a multi-billion dollar facility for a college football game is um, that's something that I can't say I've ever seen before. So it's going to be pretty fun to get down there and, and watch a game at what I think is kind of the, the premier venue um, as far as bowl games are concerned, you know, obviously you get the Rose bowl in Pasadena, and, you know, AT&T stadium and in, in, in Dallas and these, all of these, you know, football cathedrals. But um, as, as far as, you know, the technology of the super, you know, the 360 degree video board and um, the fact that it's brand new, I, I think SoFi is, you know, probably one of the top, uh, stadiums as far as bowl season's concerned. So it's going to be fun to kind of take in the entire atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wish I could 
go. I, I, I as of now, I'm not sure if I, I'll be able to. Um, I might. You mentioned the New Year Six games. I'm. I, I might be going. I might be looking at, at one of those. My dad's a big Alabama fan, but we'll, we'll have to to see. But uh, it, it, it's definitely the entertainment aspect you mentioned. I'm I'm excited because I mean Jimmy Kimmel. He's got a lot of followers and a, a lot of money. I, I I haven't heard what the payout is, but I I assume it, it would be pretty decent. Um, and and yeah, hopefully this gives some good exposure for for both schools. It ho- hopefully it gives some entertainment he's able to make maybe make some jokes about it I, I know the the when he when I, I I'm normally a Jimmy Fallon guy but but when I watched when I found out we were going to this bowl I kind of watched to see what he had to say and I, I thought the the camel thing was a really funny thing he was just like oh what should the mascot be and and so I, I think that it'll be fun to see what um hopefully we make it a really memorable bowl so it'll give him a lot to talk about and and fans will want to tune in to see um, future Mountain West and Pac-12 schools. Um, I think Mountain West teams always get excited to play Pac-12 and and have been able to win some games and lose. So, yeah, may the best team win. But Carter, it was a pleasure to have you on on the podcast, and and I'm sure a lot of Aggie fans will appreciate the, your insight. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's always good to, to preview stuff and you know get a little bit of insider info on on Utah state. Cause like I said, I haven't done a, a, a full deep dive yet. That's, that's what this, uh, that's what game week's for. So thanks for having me and uh, good luck. Best of luck to the Aggies and in, in the LA bowl. The hive sports.com has all the buzz on sports in the beehive state covering prep college pro and church sports. No way. Really? Okay. Maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things, jazz, cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. The hive sports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at the hive sports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out the hive sports.com because we got the buzz.